1: Stella, President of the Interfaith Dialogue Association. Welcome to another edition of Common Threads. Years ago, I spoke at a conference in Baltimore on the subject of interfaith marriages. Many of the people in the audience were first generation Americans who immigrated from different countries. I told them that if I were asked about how to guard against the adult children of parents from marrying outside their faith, I'd simply say, Sure. Go home. Go back to where your religion is the majority. Your odds will be much better that your son or daughter-in-law will meet your expectations spiritually. But if you plan on staying in the USA, know that unless they are raised to value a marriage between people of the same traditions, the chances are substantial that they will allow themselves to fall in love with someone outside of the fold. It's interesting that in these 25 years plus of common threads, we've never tackled the very challenging issue of interfaith marriages. Well, we're going to correct that problem right now. Dr. Dilip Amin has made this subject his avocation for quite a while now, and we're pleased to have him here today. A little bit about our guest. Dr. Dilip Amin is a director of the Peninsula Multifaith Coalition of the San Francisco Bay Area and a certified speaker at Islamic Networks Group. He is a Dharma ambassador and on the advisory committee at the Hindu American Foundation. He is a jail chaplain and a columnist at Pathios. Dr. Amin has co-authored the book Hindu Vivaha Samskara, which details the spirituality behind Hindu marriage. He founded the web forum InterfaithShadi.org and has guided 1,200 youths and summarized his experiences in the book, Interfaith Marriage, Share and Respect with Equality. He's also the founder of the Hindu Speakers Bureau, and you can learn more about that at hinduspeakers.org. So, we welcome to Common Threads, Dr. Dilip Amin. Hello, Dilip.
2: Thank you very much for this invitation.
1: It's really my honor. My first question, Dilip, is you possess a doctorate in what field is your specialty?
2: (laughs) Very interesting. I am a scientist, a PhD in pharmacology. I have worked 42 years in corporate life developing, discovering new medicine. Now you wonder that uh, medicine and interfaith marriages, what it has in common.
1: Exactly.
2: Uh, Nothing. (laughs) Because science is not faith-based. We go by data and uh, numbers, and uh, based on that we submit to FDA that this is good drug or not good drug. It's not our faith count. Versus I always say that faith has no logic. You just believe in something because you believe in Don't ask for logic. And so being a scientist, in all my 16 years working on interfaith marriages, I end up being more like a scientist, meaning I go collect the data. For example, as I say, that I have talked to 1,200 youths, So I have the data, and based on that, uh, I make conclusions and write about uh, interfaith marriages. I hope uh, the listener will find some value to my my way of presenting, because I go by facts and data. I'm not presenting my faith or what you should do it, but I'm just laying all of the information in front of you. And when you make a decision, what is right and wrong for you? I hope that is fair.
1: Well, certainly uh, sociology is a science and it sounds like uh, sociology is your, I use the word avocation and coming mm-hmm. to it with a scientific uh, understanding as you do makes a lot of sense. And, of course, there is much data to uh, give evidence to the fact that if marriages are to survive, your chances are better if you share certain commonalities. And one of those commonalities is religion also social status, education, things like that. So I don't think you're you're going to get too many people to disagree with you. that People can, and I think you'll agree to this, people can have a successful interfaith marriage. At the same time, there are challenges to having an interfaith marriage. Correct?
2: That is very true. Uh, You may have your faith, nothing wrong with that, only problem comes that uh, when the two faiths or beliefs start con- uh, conflicting each other. Meaning once when one party starts saying that uh, I'm superior, my faith is superior, and uh, that is why I ask you to do this or that thing because of my faith. That's where the problem comes.
1: Sure. Sure. Tell me, uh, how did you get interested in this? Uh, uh, I'm curious if did someone in your family marry outside the fold, or uh, you saw f- it happening to friends? What, what, what was the genesis of all of this?
2: Great question. Again, in 2006, uh, on one particular afternoon, I learned that one of my relatives is going to marry a Muslim. So, as soon as I heard it, I sit down on Google, and when I search on, see on Google that you have to change your name, you, your religion will be changed, uh, you cannot enter into Hindu temple again, you cannot uh, uh, have children be taught from Hindu faith, so I just, it's just uh, those kind of, and I was completely shocked to hear that, uh, wait, I, why Hindus have to give up all those things? Because... When I was in India, I have seen Hindu, Jains, Sikhs, Buddhists, each other, Sikhs, they marrying to each other all the time. And then nobody asks for religious conversion. Our people go to Gurudwara and Hindu temple or Jain Derasar and Hindu temple. They keep on going, maybe 40, 60%, 70, 30%. But it's not that 100%, 0%. So it was to a big shock that why? Hindu, Muslim, if they date and marry, why it has to become all 100% on one side and 0% on. So it really hit me so hard. And then I start talking to my friends and relatives surrounding me that why it's like that. And everybody says, no, no, Philip, that's what you are dreaming. It cannot be. It's impossible. Uh, it's just the Google writes it. So that's why... I was not convinced and that's why I set up the website Interfaith Shadi and then open up to the world that what is the fact. So all of a sudden, I mean over the last 12 years uh, or six, uh, 15 years, now I have 1200 youths sharing their pain uh, of uh, interfaith uh, marriages. So now I'm convinced that yes, interfaith marriages problems are there. Unfortunately, it does not come out during the dating time. Romantic relations keeps on going for one to ten years. And as soon as the discussion goes close to now let's get married, all of a sudden the love relationship takes a U-turn and uh, start, religion starts showing its ugly head. And uh, the one party may say, well, my church uh, will want you to convert. If you don't want to convert, at least you have to sign a prenatural that uh, children will be raised, baptized and raised only in my faith. For uh, Islam, as I already said, uh, you have to change your religion and 100% one side, zero on the other side. Same uh, requirement in Judaism too. Again, I'm not saying this is what happens in um, all cases, but uh, there are enough cases, it happens. I, and again, if you are in going to be in love or your son or daughter going to be in love in interfaith, you are only in relation with one party. So it is very important for you to find out if that party is religious vanity. And that is sooner than later. The use, the reason I use the word religious fanatic, is the party has rights to believe whatever they want to believe. But when during dating time, if somebody says that nope, I'm open-minded, pluralist, I'm secular, I respect your faith, and then all of a sudden before marriage, if they take a U-turn, that's pretty dangerous. It will hurt you really hard. Many people just to avert this marital gridlock, and a fake conversion, So it is a lot of, and it has also many legal implications in case if there is a divorce later on and child custody battle, uh, you will lose it because you already fake converted, converted or signed some prenuptial agreement. So my point being, it is a lot of uh, risk there. Uh, and that's something you need to find it out. If that party, what are the intentions? And I can tell you clearly: one, two, three. You ask two questions, and you know where that
1: party stands. So, do you think that some people uh, who are in relationship and say, "Look, you gave you gave the example. I'm secular. I'm open-minded. I can have my faith. I can have you can have yours." And here's what we'll do about children. We'll ex- maybe he the the person might say, well, we will expose them to both. You know, we'll take them to the synagogue on on a Saturday. We'll take them to the uh, Christian church on another day. Whatever it is, or the Hindu temple, uh-huh. what, whatever. Uh, are you saying that when that is proposed by the the uh, bride or groom to be? That they are insincere at that time, or do you think that uh, they they don't realize what they're saying when they make that offer? You know what I'm saying?
2: Yes, actually, they are very sincere when they made this offer. This is exactly what they believe in. Uh, when you are in college dorm, the world is flat. Uh, all the religions are saying they're secular pluralist. But the, unfortunately, that party does not realize, even living with that parent, what are the parent's expectations? Because majority of the issues are always facing all cases. It only starts when, as soon as you start deciding that let's get married. So as soon as you one party or both parties, as soon as they inform their party, the health grade gets loose. Parents start bombarding. How could you do out of your faith? How could you give up our culture, religious? I'm, I'm talking about, about any faith, all of them. Parents really react back. Somehow you convince parents and then you go to talk to your imam, priest, rabbi, or pandit, whoever. And they are the, again, major hurdle because right away they will start imposing conditions that you want to marry in my church, we are Catholic, for example, that uh, we have to follow certain uh, doctrines and uh, these are our requirements, the other party must be Catholic. Uh, If not, you'll have to convert or sign this pre-actual agreement if it is a Muslim, clearly, I hardly know two imams in this world who will perform Islamic nikah weddings without the Haddad religious conversion. Meaning, almost invariably, any Muslim be, imam will want Hindu party to convert to Islam. Uh,
1: about, uh, uh, I talked
2: to some...
1: I'm sorry, uh, some excuse me, trend. excuse me. You, you, yeah. you say they would want a Hindu. What about, uh, do you know... Uh, what about Christians and Jews? If, if uh, a, a Muslim bride comes to an imam and says, my boyfriend is Christian or Jewish, uh, are they going to have the same expectations as if a Hindu or a Buddhist is her boyfriend? It's
2: a great, great question. We have to go back to Quran. The Quran 2.21 says that a, a Muslim male can marry uh, other people of the book, Abrahamic, that is, uh, Christians and Jews. But they need to make sure, by practice, that uh, children will be raised only in Islam. So the Christians or Jews, because they are people of book, they don't have to convert for Islamic nikah. But the children, next generation, must be Muslim. So they skip generation conversion, I call it. When it comes to a Muslim girl, Muslim girl must marry another Muslim. Muslim girl cannot marry a Christian or Jew uh, as it is allowed for Muslim male. So there is a clear rule for different sets of harder rule for Muslim girl. Again, that's uh, according to some analysis because they probably at that time it was assumed that the girls are probably male will dominate the girls, so you cannot uh, control once you get married. So let's not give any option to the woman, but the male can dominate the uh, Christians, Jews, uh, and probably they will. There are more chances that they still Islam will continue in that thing. If you now, ju- when it comes to excuse show. me,
1: Dilip, let me just break in to remind people that. They're listening to Common Threads here on WGVU-FM. My name is Fred Stella, and with me today is Dr. Dilip Amin. He is the author of Interfaith Marriage, Share and Respect with Equality. I'm sorry, go right ahead, Dilip.
2: Yep. So, again, re-summarizing, a Muslim male can marry Christians and Jews without conversion, but the children must be raised in Islam. Muslim female cannot Marry any person of other faith, but the party party must be Muslim. One way to avert this issue in all those is they ultimately love prositilize, or some people call the use the word love jihad, and uh, ultimately converts the other party to convert, or in many cases fake convert, and then they both are Muslims and then they can marry. So that Quran problem is solved. Now, Fred, your next question was how about uh, Hindus uh, or any Dharmic like Sikhs, Jain, Buddhists? Uh, They are not people of book as far most of the Muslims will interpret Quran as, meaning they are Demis, uh, Kafir, and they must be converted. A male or female Muslim, if you, if Hindu wants to marry or Buddhist wants to marry, Hindu or Buddhist party must convert to Islam by sahadat. Sahadat is a pretty; uh, it just takes two minutes to be Muslim. You have to say "La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah," meaning there is only one God and Muhammad is the last apostle. Once you say that you are Muslim, and uh, then you can have the Islamic nikah wedding. At the same token, uh, Muslims naturally will not want any Hindu wedding because uh, most Muslims consider Hindu as an idol worshippers and polytheists, which uh, that is not true, but that's the interpretation. So summarizing, uh, Hindus and any of the Dharmic must convert to marry a Muslim.
1: And uh, let's let's talk about some other configurations. So, for instance, uh, how about uh, a Christian marrying a Jew? Do you have any experience consulting with people who have gone through uh, yes. the, those marriages?
2: Uh, Christians and Jews. The problem uh, again. I have seen people converting to Christianity or people following Judaism. And uh, it's going both ways, depending on how uh, strong the faith of the party is. Uh, Donald Trump's daughter, Ivanka Trump, she uh, converted uh, to, Mary, uh, to Judaism to uh, Jared Kushner. So, I mean, and the children are also Jewish. So that's, uh, and there are many other such examples problem again in that one comes that uh, there is one interesting case where the Christian guy was told that uh, you want to Rebecca says I'm a Christian a Jewish you have to convert so he says no Rebecca I love you no problem I'll convert to Judaism then Rebecca says that uh, Job, uh, uh our children must be Jewish Jewish so the Jew says, Rebecca, I love you. Children will be Jewish, no problem. Now, once they got married, have children, and then the life was going on, Jewish, 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 Jewish. All of a sudden, this guy Joseph, now all of a sudden, he says, wait, wait what's going on? How come everything is going your direction? How come me? I'm a Christian. So what he did is that he took a, a reporter, took her daughter to a Christian church, and uh, uh, baptized the daughter, the Jewish daughter. Point is, it becomes a big uh, media issue, lawsuits and all that. Point being that uh, when Joseph was saying, I will convert to Judaism, he did not realize what it means, the exclusive nature he's getting minded to, that there is only one faith Jewish way of doing it. So he agreed to it. So in general, my message is... Uh, this expectation of religious conversion for marriage is wrong. Again, back to Jewish uh, Christians' uh, marriages, the question you raised. Yeah, I have seen uh, both ways going, but invariably, almost all faith leaders, both faith leaders, will say children cannot be raised in two faiths. Uh, I'm a part of many interfaith circles, and I bring up that discussion, and right away, uh, the religious leader will get shaken up, those two religious leaders that, way no, 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 you cannot raise, children will get confused. I say, I have seen many Hindu, Jain, Hindu, Sikhs, they married, they raised children in both, and uh, children are not confused. Barack Obama, his father was Muslim, mother was Christian, and he was exposed to both faiths. Uh, I don't think he's a confused person. So, but no, he, uh, Jewish and Christian faith leaders will not buy that children can be raised in two faiths.
1: My my understanding is, and you tell me what your if your experience uh, uh-huh. reports with this, that a lot of people get married, they they maintain their own tradition. Although I suspect. The example that I'm going to talk about, they may not be terribly religious on either side, is that they don't really anticipate how they're going to feel when children come. They they think mm-hmm. they're going to go in one way, but it, uh, life presents a different and more challenging reality once the children come. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yep.
2: That's exactly number one issue you hailed hit it on the right on the spot. What will be the religion of former religion of children? That's to be discussed. On other point, you excellent made that I'm an atheist, I'm pluralist, I'm secular. Everyone, almost I would say all college going students will be talking this way, that I'm so open-minded, I don't care, I don't go to church, synagogue, mandir, whatever. And uh, but they don't realize that when they themselves turn to forty-five, and it's many times to take their children to particular religious institute, they will not feel comfortable sitting on those church benches or any religious institute uh, inside, and keep on hearing the bombardment of uh, intolerant messages. So when that time comes to settle for one over other faith. All of a sudden, that will become a major issue. Uh, the In Christian faith, children, as soon as you have a child born, you have to give a name. Are you going to have a Jewish name, Christian name, Muslim name, Hindu name? I mean, you cannot have two ways. You're going to have only one first name. Yeah, you may pick the middle name, something, but the first name is only one. Second thing is uh, circumcision. Are you going to circumcise because of religious reason or not? Don't tell me that I'm doing it for scientific reason because there is no scientific logic. That itself is a big separate discussion. Uh, so you are putting a clear religious stamp on the child that now, because you are circumcised, on eighth day there is a priest ceremony and you are circumcised, meaning you are a Jew. And this is an irreversible process, name and circumcision. You cannot undo it. Uh, If you are following Christian faith, Christians will want the uh, baptism and uh, uh, other ceremonies. And again, those are also, you are putting a clear stamp on it. Child, uh, the person may become 40 years old and you say, what is your faith? Right away, that person will say, yeah, I have been baptized. Meaning there is a clear stamp you are putting on the person. So as soon as this clear time comes to clearly announce your child. Which faith they are, uh, and that's where the major issue will come.
1: That's interesting. You you brought up circumcision, and I know for the longest time in the United States it was just uh, uh, very commonplace for for male babies to get circumcised, and it wasn't a religious ceremony. It just it just happened. Do you know if that is still the case, or do you actually have to request it? When, when you give birth to a male child?
2: I tell, uh, okay, circumcision is not a practice in dharmic faith, uh, but when they go to hospital, for example, in uh, conservative states and all that, as soon as the uh, baby gets born, male boy, the uh, hospital nurse and uh, doctors will start saying that, do you want to have the child circumcised? And uh invariably Hindu party says, wait, what is this circumcised? Why? I mean, we never did this thing. And then they bring up scientific reason that, you know, it's a good for science, it stays the penis stays clean and some here there, WHO say these things. And then people don't understand and plus this is, you know, it's very easy to do it. What Hindu parents or whoever that parents at that time, they don't realize that uh First of all, they may have a religious motive. They may have a money motive because circumcision, they can make $1,000 easily in just two minutes time. And they did not have time to think through. I always request any parents that just walk out of hospital. You don't have to circumcise the child right then. You can do it six months age, one year age, even 20, 30, or 90 years age circumcision. So just walk out of hospital. Once you are out, start reading. And there is American Pediatric Association has not endorsed circumcision as a procedure like COVID vaccine. You know, it's clearly government agencies recommend that, yes, you should have a COVID vaccine. There is no recommendation for circumcision. If it has a scientific merit, they would have done it.
1: Uh, Excuse me, Dilip, I'm sorry we are out of time for uh, this episode of Common Threads, uh, but I have many more questions for you, and I'm hoping that you'll be available to join us again next week.
2: It will be my pleasure. Thank you very much.
1: You've been listening to Common Threads here on WGVU. I'm Fred Stella, and with me today has been Dr. Dilip Amin. He is the author of Interfaith Marriage, Share and Respect with Equality. Please join us next week here on
0: WGVU. Common Threads is a production of WGVU in cooperation with the Interfaith Dialogue Association. The views and opinions expressed are not necessarily those of the station, its underwriters, or Grand Valley State University. In many cases, the participants on this program represent themselves and may not be designated spokespeople for the faiths they represent. Send questions and comments by email through our website, www.interfaithdialogueassociation.org. Thank you for listening, and join us again next week for another edition of Common Threads.
1: I'm Fred Stella, President of the Interfaith Dialogue Association. Welcome to another edition of Common Threads. Last week, we began our conversation with Dr. Dalip Amin. He's written a book about interfaith marriages. And last week, I recollected that in over 25 years of Common Threads on the air here at WGVU, we have never really tackled this issue. I'm very pleased to have Dr. Dalip Amin, a little bit about him. He is the director of the Peninsula Multifaith Coalition of the San Francisco Bay Area and a certified speaker at Islamic Networks Group. He is a Dharma ambassador and on the advisory committee at the Hindu American Foundation. He's a jail chaplain and a columnist at Pathios. Dr. Amin has co-authored the book Hindu Vivaha Samskara, which details the spirituality behind Hindu marriage. He founded the web forum Shadi.org and guided 1,200 youths and summarized their experiences in his book, Interfaith Marriage, Share and Respect with Equality. He's also the founder of the Hindu Speakers Bureau, and you can find more information about that at hinduspeakers.org. So we welcome once again to Common Threads, Dr. Dilip Amin. Hello, Dilip. Hello, thank you.
2: And uh, it's been really a pleasure talking to you and uh, glad to continue our conversation. Thank you.
1: Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, So before I get back to uh, the subject we began last week of interfaith marriages, I I have to say, uh, in reading your very short uh, bio, you mentioned Multiple activities, uh, your your interfaith work with the Peninsula Multi Faith Coalition, uh, the fact that you are on the advisory committee of the Hindu American Foundation, and then you are a certified speaker at Islamic Networks Group, and obviously, somebody looks at that, they go, "Now that's interesting to have uh, all of those credentials, uh, particularly the ones." connected to Hinduism, and yet you are a certified speaker at Islamic Network Troop. Number one, how did you get that designation, and how do you use that designation in your work?
2: Yes, I it is very important for my work on interfaith marriages to work with uh, all the faith leaders. I don't want to work in isolation, because if I work isolation only working with my Hindu friends, it is natural that my ideas may be remain biased. I may not understand the what is the other side has to say. So that's why it's very vital that I work with those who consider. I mean, the other side. Uh, with Islam, Hindus and Muslim marriages are the most I have dealt. I have uh, guided some 1,200 youths out of probably 800 are Muslim related. And uh, if I keep on talking about Islam on my own one-sided talk, then I, don't, I will miss out the half of the story. And that is why, as recently as uh, just this month, I have published joint article on interfaith marriages with uh, two Muslim experts. So we three all got together and wrote uh, how the interfaith uh, Hindu-Muslim marriages should be like. Because then only the real truth comes out. Both the sides are talking. And that is the reason I'm so proud to be part of Islamic Network Group. They invite me and uh, we sit down in different forums, five, six speakers. And we talk on the same particular given topic that what are individuals view. And when you are sitting with other faith leaders and answering the same question. Uh, You realize that uh, there are something fine-tuning I need to do in my messaging. So I think working with multi-faith leaders in my uh, peninsula, multi-faith coalition, Islamic Network Group, and all the things, actually, it makes me more bring out more balanced views, and that is exactly I realize that American-born Hindus and all faith leaders they want. They do not like anybody coming and bashing them, religious superiority, exclusivity, that we are the best, others are bad. They don't like to hear those kind of things. And only way I can give more balanced views is by working with them and work hand in hand. So I hope to work with any faith leader. Please reach out to me. We'll let's write it jointly what should be interfaith marriages like.
1: And uh, you can be reached. I'm I'm assuming through your website interfaithshadi.org. Is that correct?
2: Or you can email me at interfaithshadi at gmail uh, interfaithshadi at gmail dot com.
1: And uh, Shadi is S H A A D I. And and uh, 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 please uh, translate that word for us.
2: Interfaith. It's clear. Shadi is. Uh, uh it's a, a Persian or uh, Hindi-Arabic word uh, meaning for marriage. So it's an interfaith marriage, and the reason I picked this word shadi is uh, because I expected a lot more Hindu-Muslim uh, couples talking about, so that's why it's so relevant.
1: I see. Now, now I'm going to guess, I'm going to take a guess on something, and, and you tell me if I'm wrong and, and uh-huh. give me a, a better explanation. I didn't realize until you just said it that of all of the different combinations of interfaith marriages that can take place, that at least the people who have worked with you have been Hindu and Muslim. Either the bride is Muslim or Hindu or vice versa with the, with, with the groom. And I'm Uh, When you said that, I was curious. I'm going, hmm, I wonder why that combination tends to be predominant. And my guess is perhaps that both Hindus and Muslims can share a South Asian culture, right? Uh, So we might be talking about two Indians, Indian Americans, one Muslim, one Hindu, or a, a, a Hindu... From India and a Muslim from Pakistan, am I correct? They're going to share much more value, as opposed to do you also have Hind- Hindus who the parents are from India and the uh, the Muslims' parents are from Yemen or Egypt? You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh,
2: no, very true. Uh, in Hindu and Muslim, uh, especially from Pakistan, Bangladesh, uh, India they all look alike they and when they meet each other in college they start first saying oh, wow you are my like kind of person looks that way and that's why they tend to tend to assimilate uh, mix with each other easily it's only later on once they start knowing each other start liking each other and then they realize that hmm, that party is uh, other faith, it's I did not expect it. But then you start liking and relation continues and then slowly it progressed to love because uh, as soon as uh, for example, Muslim will says, you know, in India, so much this love jihad talk going on, this nonsense, Hindus and Muslims are fighting, India, Pakistan fighting, having wars. That's a nonsense, I don't believe it. There is only one God, so why to fight in names of God? So all those kind of talks some 20 years old uh, sitting on college dorm it's so common and both party agree and they start sympathizing with each other that
0: yeah
2: i mean uh, i mean uh, this for example the 9/11 11 happens and they are blaming all muslims that is wrong and uh, yes uh, this and that so they find it a lot of uh, they hate all those discrimination happen to each other And also, they hate all those, uh, their parents discriminating each other. And here they meet in the college dome where we are saying, let's change the world, make this world a better place. So that's why they end up, uh, I mean, I assume, they end up uh, uniting. Only thing is, as soon as the relationship progressed to, let's have the marriage, meaning Muslim will want the Islamic nikah, and Hindu may want Hindu Vivaha. And uh, that's where all of a sudden, as soon as the parents get involved, and the worst is as soon as the Imam or the Pandits get involved, the everything takes completely U-turn. And that's why they unite with a good intentions, good heart, equality, secular pluralism, brahra. As soon as the uh, time for marriage. As soon as any discussion of raising children, nope, everything has to be my way because your way is wrong. I want to please my parents. Go, your parents goes to hell, something like that.
1: So you say that you have guided 1,200 youths over the years. How did you come in contact with uh, those young people and, and vice versa? How did they come in contact with you?
2: As I said, I started working in two thousand six. I realized there is an issue. I could not believe it, and that's why I put set out this website interface, Shadi. Uh And uh, so now it is a website, open forum. Everybody can share their own views, and somehow Google really liked, or that was on the only this kind of uh, Dharmic Abrahamic relationship kind of forum at that time. And Google keep on start sending me issues relating to interfaith couples from all over the world. I have some 60% from India, uh, 10, 15% from Malaysia. I mean, that's a pretty uh, important segment. Uh, The Middle East, Europe, USA, all over. So the way it goes that they pose their questions that I'm in this situation. My name was admin. They don't know who I was. And uh, what should I do? And then I put my few cents there that, you know, these are the issues I think. Can you ask these or that questions to make sure? And then the rest jump on it. Everybody who wants to know you should do this way, you should do this way. The best part of that this website is uh, it's not one person talking. It's everybody talking, like-minded people. And I hope ultimately they get a right uh, uh, message from this one. So that's where this website came about. And then it keeps... So all my 1,200 consultations I'm talking about, everyone can go and see on that website. They are still sitting there exactly the way, how the conversation started, and how it's progressive. Yeah. And uh, once they end, unfortunately, they get burned so badly uh, that uh, they don't want to talk any further and they don't come back to the website to tell that ultimately what happened. So sometimes the story remains uh,
1: half told. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Common Threads here on WGVU-FM. I'm Fred Stella, and with me today is Dr. Dilip Amin. He is the author of Interfaith Marriage, Share and Respect with Equality. So, you know, you just mentioned something a minute ago that people might not have uh, uh, gotten, and that is... The fact that your last name is Amin and you that that uh, can be um confusing to some people, right? Because you are a practicing Hindu, but there are many Muslims with that surname, correct?
2: Yes, sometimes it works to my advantage because the other Muslim will think that I'm uh, oh, this is Dr. Amin, yeah. Ah, uh, come on. And uh, they start hugging me and start telling all those truths. And then later on, they realize that, hmm, <laughs> she's uh, from other side. So, uh, yes, it's of my, let me give you the history. In 1802, that's more than 200 years before, my great-great-grandfather, Nandalal, saved a life of a Muslim king, Nurkhan. And he was so pleased because uh, Mos- Hindus saved life of a Muslim. Uh, and that's why they gave the award to my great-grandfather. So today, I'm I Amin mean because of, uh, I'm carrying that pluralistic blood who saved the life of a Muslim uh, some 200 years before. Unfortunately, when I see the intolerant imam telling that uh, you Hindus are kafir, You are polytheist, idol worshiper, and on the judgment day you will go to hell, fire. And immediately it really hurts me that is it the reason my great grandfather Nanlal saved life of this Nur Khan? Was Nanlal aware that he is a kafir also? So, yes. That's uh, my pluralistic blood, what is running in my veins, uh, and uh, I wish to all the Americans and world people to. I'm a pro- proponent of pluralism.
1: When you engage with both Christians and Muslims, I think I think Jews would be in a in a separate category. We can talk about that in a moment, but. When you're dealing with specifically Christians and Muslims, do you uh, find—and I guess specifically we're talking about clergy at this point, if you can address Mm -hmm. this— do you find more progressive uh, ministers and imams that uh, are willing to uh, believe that you and your co-religionists— are not heathens and will not necessarily be judged uh, by God to be hell worthy.
2: So, I again, my observations, I may be, uh, my observation may not be hundred percent true all over, but I have found that uh, there is a, Christianity is not what Christianity was during the Crusaders' time. There is a lot of progressive Christians now, and uh, Christianity is not being enforced strictly on uh, Christian church goer. For example, if, if the Christian priest says you must do this thing, the if the church goer who is in love relationship, they don't like it. They say, hell with you. I'm changing the church. My observation with Christians is, yes, there are many fanatics there, but there are ways of getting around if the boy and the girl who is in relationship, they are not. In terms of Islam, I feel that Islam has a long way to go, still probably 50 more years to come to the more progressive, pluralistic, uh, in terms of interfaith marriages, in the sense that I have only come across two imams in last 16 years, who will perform Hindu-Muslim wedding without conversion? Only two. The reason is that still Islam is strictly enforced by that Islamic community, they call it Ummah. Islamic countries, there are laws made against it, so a Muslim to go against Islamic practices, even in Bay Area, which is San Francisco, Bay Area, which is a progressive where I live, It will be very hard for a Muslim youth to go against the wishes of uh, the uh, Islamic community. And I hope uh, I am wrong and hope that will change and they will have more options to do what they wish to say. So one other point I can bring up when it comes to Christian-Muslim marriages, one of the most, most important questions I bring up so, okay couple, you are Christian, Muslim, you are open-minded, you're going to get married. Can you answer me one question and if you can solve these problem uh, questions, you will have a really wonderful married life. Is Jesus son of God or Jesus is some one ordinary apostle? Again, you have to go to scriptures back. That uh, Christianity's fundamental belief is that Jesus is Son of God, or some people confused and uh, many Hindus say it's uh, Jesus is a God, whatever. For Islam to call anyone associating anyone with God is the ultimate sin. It's very very wrong, and Muslim Imam or any Muslim believer will not want Jesus to be called any uh, nothing more than a respectable apostle including in quran itself it says that uh, to say that jesus is a son of allah or son of god is a monstrous falsehood uh, and uh, there are chapters written about it on and on so quran is very clear islam community is very clear imams will be very clear that jesus cannot be any more than just an apostle and for christianity to believe that uh, jesus is just one of the apostles, apostles like uh, thousand others apostles nothing more than uh, any other or jesus is not a son of god i mean that means basically you are refuting uh, christianity or uh... so interfaith hindu christian muslim couple cannot resolve this issue whether who is jesus what when your child asks mama papa who is Jesus? What are you going to say? Are you going to say he's the son of God? Or nope, he's just one of the apostles, like so many others. It's just, uh, so don't give too much importance. But at the same token, Muslims will want a lot of, give a lot of importance to Muhammad, but uh, not as a godly person, but uh, still they want to give a lot more importance to Muhammad versus to Jesus. So these are some fundamental scriptural issues which uh, a common
1: Christian-Muslim couple cannot solve. You, uh, last week, talked about something that I never really thought about in interfaith marriages, and I've thought a a great deal about the ins and outs of uh, the the challenges of marriage, but you mentioned legalities, that you might end up in a legal situation that you weren't expecting by entering mm-hmm. into an interfaith marriage. Uh, can you expound on that?
2: That is so vital point, which people in love don't realize. I have seen invariably in my guiding people that there is one exclusivist, other is a secular pluralist. Exclusivist says, why don't you convert to my faith? And the, invariably the Hindu party have. 1,000 other gods, 100 other gods. They say, yeah, I will accept one more Allah as my God. I don't mind adding one more. So they go through fake conversion. Fake conversion meaning uh, they did not had the uh, intention of following only Islam. They did not understood. They converted only because of marriage, not because of their faith. And still they have continuous faith with Hinduism, Hindu beliefs. So the problem is, or other way is that, let's say, church says, write this actual agreement. The Hindu or Jew, without thinking much, this is okay, we'll raise the children in the Catholic faith only and raise children baptized and raised that way. And they say, uh, how does it matter? We'll raise children however way. How who is going to come and see in my home? No, wrong. For example, you converted to Islam, took Sahada toh, in five minutes, you are driving uh, someplace, there is a car accident, you die. Your Hindu parents may take this dead body and want to give a final Hindu cremation. The Muslim side could go to American court and tell them that this party was Muslim. This is a documented imam's statement that he has taken the sadat. And American police will invariably come and confiscate this body and judge will approve to give, give a final Islamic wedding because you don't have a will written how you will go finally. And uh, you were Muslim. So it, even though your conversion was a fake conversion, it applies. Further, and that is very most important, that uh, there are so many divorces in America. What is that, 50 60 70% divorces? So you married to a Muslim, Hindu married to a Muslim, Hindu fake converted, and let's say you have a uh, three, four children, and 10 years down the road, it did not work out, you are looking for divorce and child custody. As soon as you file for child custody, again, this uh, prenatural agreement from church will come that you sign a document that the children will be baptized and raised in the Catholic faith only. meaning court will immediately put a restriction on you that you are a Hindu party, now you start going to Hindu mandir after your uh, divorce and all that. And it's potential, and in your home there are so many Hindu gods and goddess deities statues are there. And uh, these children should be raised only in the Catholic faith. So either you remove everything of your house, and that the pre-order, you cannot uh, uh, put... uh, expose them at all to Hindu. My point is, you, are, you could get into a big legal trouble by signing this fake conversion. It's so that, I just tell plain and simple, just be honest. I, will not, I don't believe it, I'm not ready for it. I will not convert. Do what you want. Just be honest. Why to make lies and deception a foundation of your married life?
1: I'm curious, and we only have a couple of minutes to go. But uh, you, you—we've been talking about the twelve hundred young people whom you have guided in the arena of interfaith marriage. Does that continue to grow? Are you continuing to do this, or have you stepped back from that particular position?
2: Nope, still live. I consult people all over. Uh, Anybody in an interfaith relationship, reach out to me. I provide services 100% free. It will be my honor. As a matter of fact, just a month before, a Muslim lady reached out to me that she's in love relation with a Hindu boy. And uh, we don't have any interest in uh, uh, we believe uh, in converting anyone. And can you help me? So I guided through. Ultimately, I put in touch with an imam who will ready to perform wedding without conversion. Unfortunately, uh, last 10 days that girl has decided to not bother with us, stop the relationship because she wants to, she considered the local Imam who says, no, Hindu must convert. So I failed in convincing that girl that uh, give up this conversion uh, ideology. So yes, I'm consulting anyone, anybody interested, reach out to me for free. I will guide you. I will give you what my views, my understanding. And ultimately, it's your life. Do exactly what fits for you.
1: And uh, you can be reached at, is it Dilip at Uh, InterfaithShadi.org?
2: InterfaithShadi at gmail.com. Or you put my name, uh, uh, Dilip Amin, and you will have plenty of information in Google. And uh, I don't mind... uh, uh, just call me up.
1: Okay, we will we will uh, make sure that if anybody reaches out to us, we'll get them in touch with you, Dilip. It's been a pleasure speaking with you today and last week as well. I want to thank you so much. Thank you very much. It was my honor. You've been listening to Common Threads here on WGVU FM. My name is Fred Stella Dilip Amin, the author of Interfaith Marriage: Share and Respect with Equality, has been our guest. Please join us again next week here on WGVU.
0: Common Threads is a production of WGVU in cooperation with the Interfaith Dialogue Association. The views and opinions expressed are not necessarily those of the station, its underwriters, or Grand Valley State University.